0: Why all this other stuff happens? Focus on what Christ did, how the things came about that that even though everything was stacked against Him, that Christ continued to go down that road, that He continued to give that life for us. Quit focusing on the fact that we don't understand why why families are against families, kids are against uh, parents, and parents are against kids, and husbands are against wives, and wives are against. You know, so on and so on, and the list goes on and on. You have the answer. The devil's been doing it from day one. And he does it so we can sit over here and get caught up in everything and every reason, spend our every waking moment wasting all this energy and time on thinking thoughts that we already have the answer for, but it's not good enough. Right? I mean, that's what the devil wants. He wants me thinking about all of this instead of spending time thinking about the Bible, taking time to think about what this time is all about. And, you know, the greatest thing to me is, is you know, I'm glad he gave his life. I'm, I'm glad he was uh, selfless enough to, to think of me. Uh, and I'm also glad that he was strong enough to go to the depths of hell and whoop the devil around for me. But I'm also grateful that he showed me how to do what this is all about, is rise up. So we are a time, whether you believe we're in a time of great revival, whether you believe we're in a time of, of a great falling away, we are always and forever in a time of rising up. Amen? So let's rise up.
1: I have prayed for this morning's service and prayed. I'm not wanting everything to go perfect because I know it won't. But if you don't believe that the power of Satan, you know, new computer, new everything, streaming, Started this morning, screen froze up. Sound went out. I think we're going now. But, you know, he's going to do what he can to disrupt. And, and it's mainly, and it's disrupting me and my thought process. He's disrupting me and what I I know that God's laid on my heart to say. So so, I've, I've been back here praying, and we're going to pray together here in a few minutes. We're going to bind all this stuff from, from here because... I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God here this morning. You know, we had a wonderful praise and worship. And I'll probably cry. <laughs> I've got that from this guy over here. This gray-headed guy. <laughs> Something about the presence of God is just so... I said yes. I said that's just the living word of God and the power of Him coming through that working in our life and reading this just brings it out so clearly that it just you can't do nothing to emotions. It's got to come out somewhere. They got to do something. So, so you know, I want to say that I'm glad you're here. Thank y'all for coming this morning. Y'all look great and everybody most everybody dressed up. And you know, you're like, well, this is not a dress up contest. I promise. Because I'm not, I'm not wearing a tie. I don't own that many ties or suits at this point, so I think I got one for. I can use the same one for a wedding and a funeral if you want me to do that. (laughs) Right now, I got another one, but um, the um, the jacket may not fit as good as it used to, so we don't wear it. We don't bring it out. We keep it in the closet. But thank you all for being here. Everybody looks good and wonderful this morning. Um, welcome in our online this morning, our Facebook and, and YouTube live, everything's still going good. I got the thumbs up from Cole, so we're doing good there. You know, don't forget our, our sermon.net app you can download on your phone, and it's not ours, but we're using them. And on your TV, if you stream on TV, you can download that and, and watch it. And, and so there's different avenues that we can get the, the word of God out, and that's, and that's what we're using this morning. So you know it's it's a great day a wonderful day where we celebrate our risen savior. We, we you know we don't sure he done what he done on good friday. It's called good friday, but he died on good friday. It makes you know and to call that good friday. You know that was painful back then and painful to read about the things that he went through that day, but it was good he had to die. That's why we call it good friday. He done what he what he had to do. And and so you know we're just we're just, I'm just ecstatic ecstatic to be here and ecstatic that y'all are here and um, just that God's moving and working in your lives and that I pray today that you let Him that you open up your heart and your mind and your soul and everything about you just to receive the presence of God in your life. <clears throat> it's good. Forgive me. Amen. Let's receive our offerings just now. Let me uh, gather myself. We don't do this out of tradition or religion or anything else but just obedience to God. And, And so it's not for a show. We don't, you know, if you're putting your check or money into offering plates so other people can see you and you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's for God's honor and God's glory that we do this in obedience to Him, just as Jesus was obedient to the cross. So we pray this morning on my Aunt Judy. She's had a lot of issues. She's broke several bones in her body and failed. And she fell again the other day and uh, broke her leg, I think it was. I think it was her leg right, right at I think she had her knee replacement or somewhere right there at her knee. And, and so it's Daddy's youngest sister. And, and so she had asked this morning that we pray for her. And, and so we're going to pray for Aunt Judy. Judy Craver is her name. So, um, so pray for her this morning. And, and we're going to join together and walk in the authority that Jesus gave us when He rose from the grave. Amen. And that anything that Satan wants to do in this service, he has no power or authority none. And that's over us, our thoughts, our lives, the sound, whatever it is, no disruptions whatsoever. We're going to agree together and we're going to be in unity and we're going to watch God move in this service today in each and every one of our lives. Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, we love you and we praise you in this this wonderful day mm, that we can come And celebrate what Jesus done for us, Father. We just we come and and, and we just uh, bring Aunt Judy to you right now. And we just thank you that you touch her, you heal her body. You got this place in her leg that's broke. That you ease the pain. That the surgery goes well. That there's no problems or complications, Father. And she can get over this and go on about her life better and stronger than before. We join together right now, and we bind any work. Any place that Satan want to put himself in the service, in people's lives, in their minds, in their hearts, you know, whatever it is, whatever's happened this morning in people's lives, God, we know that you died for grace and mercy on our lives. Jesus died for that, and that we can call on that. And whatever happens, happened, happened. And we can ask forgiveness and go on. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, God, that you use me as a vessel, God, to speak your word this morning to 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 a To an audience that is ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to receive, Father, what you have today. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And take these tithes and offerings and bless them. And bless the people that give in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to say that I appreciate Arian and Hallie singing this morning. It's a wonderful song. Look what he's done. Look what he's done for each and every one of us. And so if we're not here to praise him, then, then we're, not sh- we're not thankful for what he's done for us. If we're here to, for us, then we're here for the wrong reason. So it's all, it all directs back toward him and nobody else. Amen. Elijah, you gonna to go to Children's Church this morning? All right, go ahead, buddy. You go right ahead. I think you're our only only young one this morning. Young at heart does not count this morning. You gotta stay here. I'm sure Hallie has snacks and juice boxes. And as Cody said earlier, when he walked in this morning, we get to have juice and crackers today. That's what he's saying. So, and we will before we leave today. We're gonna to have. We're gonna to join in together. And and join in that time and that of what Jesus has done for us, and, and in that and that fellowship with Him and in that that walk with Him, we're going to want to join in that. So, Amen, Amen. Again, I'm excited to be here preaching this Easter Sunday morning. It's a blessing. I do not take this lightly or for granted. I promise. You know, we we talked about the past. Past two weeks now, you know about the completed work of Christ. Continue on that because He completed the work, didn't He? We celebrate today the work that He completed, Amen. and and it's, we should celebrate it every day as we say it. But today specifically, we celebrate the completed work, where he's, you know, in John seventeen four, has been our main text with this. Oh, Cindy's going okay. All right, all right. Jesus said in John seventeen four, he said, I've glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And so Jesus finished and completed the work that, that God had gave him to do here on earth. But you know, there's I don't think there's a person in here that hasn't set through an Easter service, a Sunday morning to where, you know, we go over and we read about what Jesus went through. How that he died, what all the turmoil and struggles that he went through on this earth for us you know we've we 've all heard those things and knew that Jesus had it coming for him, and knew that Jesus had to die on the cross because he couldn 't have finished the work that we just read about without unless he died and and so you know, I just want to talk a few minutes this morning. We're going to read some other Scriptures. We're going to read back in the Old Testament how it's prophesied. We're going to read some stuff in the New Testament. And, and I'm not going to say anything this morning, I'm sure, and read any Scripture that you haven't heard before on Easter Sunday. And we're not going to read verse for verse about Jesus going to the cross and, and Him dying and, and all that. We're not We're not doing that but there's things we want to bring out about what he done for us and how sweet it is that he done this for us and and so you know we know Jesus left heaven left all the deity of heaven left God's right hand to come here didn't he he come here knowing and willingly enough and knowingly that he was going to in his physical life the way that he did so we know He come and He was born of a virgin. That's a miracle in itself. We celebrate that every every Christmas. And we should celebrate that all the time. But on Christmas we celebrate that. And that's a miracle in itself that He was born of a virgin. And that He lived a sinless life. His 33 and a half years of whatever on this earth was sinless. And our minds cannot fathom somebody living in this world as corrupt as it is and never sinned A human. And, and we make excuses about that. I'm only human. I'm only this. You know, well, I've done this in my life and because I've done this, then, then I speak this way from time to time. Jesus lived a sinless life which tells me that now that I'm in Christ Jesus and you are in Christ Jesus, there is hope that we can live a sinless life. And in our minds, our human little peon minds, cannot fathom that. And it's sad, but it's true that we can do that and we can live that kind of life. And it's for us to strive to each day. Do I fail every day? Yes. Do we all fail pretty much every day to live a sinless life? Yes. And that's what the grace of God is. That's why Jesus died. Because he knew that we, he knew we, first of all we couldn't keep up with the 600 and something laws that they had to in the Old Testament. But then he also knew that, he, that there had to be grace and mercy for us, because he knew that there was going to be times we were not going to live the life that we're called to live and he's called us to live. And so but we read in Hebrews chapter four. everybody knows this, these two verses in verse 15. it says, "For we do not have, a high priest we're just, who cannot sympathize with our weakness. We don't have one. Jesus is our high priest, right? Jesus is our high priest. So He can sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because He lived here on this earth being tried by the same Satan, the same devil that we're tried and tempted with each and every day. He lived here. I haven't been 40 days out in the wilderness with no food or drink. Have you? There's not a one in here that's went 40 days without food and water, I promise. Nobody nobody has. I mean, no matter your hardest point in life, you had something to eat and you had something to drink. Maybe not when you wanted to, but you had it. And so, you know, in that point, his flesh was weak, but he did not sin. He said, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. In all points. There's nothing that we go through today that's not, Something that Jesus had to struggle with or had to have tempted with, but he didn't sin. He didn't give in to that temptation. Sure, there were still lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life back in Jesus's day. There were still all those, but he didn't give in to them. He didn't give in to those things. He lived without sin. So he did this, knowing what he had to do, and he lived without he lived without sin and did not sin in his life. Then we know He took the stripes on His back. We come down and you know Jesus is betrayed and, and they, they they get Him and and bind Him up and then He's beaten and scourged and and that cross put on His back and had to walk it up that hill they call Galgotha the place of the skull. But Isaiah prophesied about it back hundreds of years before, didn't he? In Isaiah chapter 53... I read a few verses here, starting in verse 2. It's on the screen, and you can turn there. He says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him, and He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. Then He goes on to say, Surely He has borne our griefs and, and, and carried our sorrows. He wore our stripes. He wore our griefs. He wore our sins so we didn't have to. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, spitten smitten by God and afflicted, which Jesus was. Everywhere he went on this earth, when he walked during his ministry, there was people against him all the time. All the time. We've not seen that. I know Ariana told me here a few a couple of weeks ago. There's a doctor up there where she works. I don't I don't know his name, up at the Heart Center in, in Madison. He come through, took all the Bibles out of the waiting room. Because he's an atheist. Took all the Bibles out. She's got a Bible sitting on her desk. She's back in the back. Does anybody see your desk? Does any of the patients see your desk or just doctors and nurses? Right. So her Bible's sitting there. He comes through and tells her she needs to put that Bible away because it offends him. She needs to put it away. She told me and told me and I said, you better not move that Bible. I said, he has no right to take that Bible out. You have every right to keep it there and open. And I said, I would even be so bold to say when he comes by, just throw it up in his face. Just open it up. Let him read it. Let him see it. Why? Because it makes him uncomfortable. We're supposed to be uncomfortable. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and we've let this small minority of people be so loud in this world that the majority here is so quiet and can't be heard. So that man, through his little minority self, can go through and pull the Word of God out from people. But when we stand up as Christians, we're not supposed to do that in this world. But that is such a lie. Jesus, everywhere He went, proclaimed the kingdom of God. He didn't go anywhere and be bashful. He didn't go anywhere and and just follow the crowd. Sure, he ate with the sinners and the and the people that nobody else wanted to eat with. But I promise, he was witnessing to them and showing them the love of God. Every breath that come out, every word that come out was showing the love of God. And and so so we have to do the same thing. So he was afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, wasn't he? Just like we talked, he was wounded. He was beat. He was hung on a cross, nailed there. And, and He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Our peace. If we want to know the type of peace that passes all understanding, Jesus took that for us. Those chastisements of what... So we could know peace He took. So we could know how that we can live a peaceful life with each other, within ourselves. He took that for us, so we could know that through him, through his love. Right. Through his grace, through his mercy, he took those things. And he says, And by his stripes we are healed. By stripes. Every stripe that he took, and I and I was looking this up. If you read anywhere in the four gospels, it says he was scourged. You know, it doesn't there's not a place that I could find a record where it actually beat him, right? In, in, in the four Gospels that, that it showed. And so one place I looked up and I, I, you know, I said, where is it at? And so this, this scholar, I was reading an article by him and said, well, I don't believe Jesus was actually beaten. He was scourged. And that was just, they took that from that and, and, and didn't, he didn't happen. I don't believe that. I believe Jesus took those stripes. Just as Isaiah prophesied that he would. He said, by his stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. And so we can still claim that healing today as He did back then because this, as we said, is the living Word of God. Whether you believe that He did or didn't, it doesn't matter. The Word of God says by His stripes we're healed. So everything that He took for us, every sickness, disease that He died for, that He got beat for, we can claim that healing in our life. And He says... And like sheep we have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As Pat talked about, he died for our sins, past, present, and future. That doesn't give us a platform to sin because he's died for us. And, and because we, we know we have forgiveness in the future, we can go ahead and sin now. That doesn't give us that right. Because if you're a child of God, And we're one with God, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, as Paul says, then we should not be sinning in our life. It says, let, it says, go and, what did he tell the woman with the, uh, that committed adultery? They drug out. Go and sin no more. When we gave our lives to Christ, he was telling us, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Wake up and and have that in your forethought every day. Today, I will not sin today. I will not give into temptation. Does that mean Satan's going to run off and not tempt you that day? No, he'll probably tempt you more today, that day, than he does any other because he wants to see you fail. He wants to show you that you are not capable of doing what the Word of God says, but he's wrong. Because we can live the life that God's called us to live. We have to want to live it and we have to strive to live it. But we can do that. So let's finish reading these few verses. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death... Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's hard to think about, ain't it? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God, we know, turned his back. We know that it was recorded that he turned his back when Jesus gave up that last breath. And he was hurt, but he knew it had to be done. He knew it had, that's the only, the main, the only sacrifice that could be made for the sins of all mankind. And so, He says, He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So that's a promise to us. We are his seed. His, our soul will prosper. And, and we will prosper in his hand. Not by ourselves, but in his hand. So we know that we've read this and we've heard this. He died on a cross, a horrible death. We know that the death on a cross was not just for this the common thief. That was a death that they wanted to make an example of that person. It was a horrible death. You know, I was reading somewhere that those crosses, that beam could weigh up to 300 pounds he had to carry. And, and so, you know, he carried that cross. He, he, he hung there crown of thorns on his head, being mocked. And, and, and so, he done those things. And we don't like to, we, you know, we, we look at pictures. Google won't show pictures. You know, this is from the movie The Passion. If you haven't watched the movie, and I'm sure everybody has, go watch it, The Passion of the Christ. I was trying to look up something that would just resonate in ourself what Jesus might have looked like on the cross. Not to make us grieve, but to make us realize and understand what He went through. What He done for me. Just a guy from Fallville, Alabama. That. And and so he hung there and most places show as a loincloth over him or something like that. They were generally hung naked, no clothes, so they can be shown in full humiliation and, and just laid there and hung there and Jesus hung there for hours, but there's some people that hung there for days. So people could walk by and see and, and, and know what kind of person or that was. But we know this person here that we celebrate as our Lord and Savior was not a bad person. He didn't do anything wrong. As far as the world has to say, He done nothing wrong. But He did this for us. But we we celebrate this. But that's not who we celebrate today. Because we know that the work, it was completed, but it wasn't fully complete because He was in the ground for three days, right? In that ground for three days. And then today, this morning, He rose up. He rose up from that grave. So that's not the last picture we see of Jesus. That's not the final place that we see Him hanging on the cross. There's no other religion that can say that. There's no other religion in this world that people try to, you know, I'm this or I'm that Hindu, Buddha, whatever. They can't say that their Savior's alive today. They can take you to the grave where He's at. Well we know we can take him to the place that where he was and he's no more. Because he's risen today and he's and he's soon coming back for us. The devil thought he had won. When he, was, when he was there, the devil thought he had won. And so I'm here to tell you today the devil may have thought he had won in your life today. But if we let if we let our problems just reside on the cross. Or in that place where we feel beaten and bruised and and dead and we don't feel like we can go any further, then that's the end of, then that's the end of it. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to show us you can be here in your life and you're not going to be hanging there on a cross or bleeding. But there's problems in every one of our life and we're going to be where we feel like we're at the end of our rope. We're at the end of you know we just we don't know how we can go on. But he said this is not the end. This is not the end. He said, I will rise in three days. So we said it before time and time again, the only power that the devil has in your life is what you let him have. That's the only power that he has. So if we stop letting him in, then what power does he have? Mentally, physically, emotionally, what power does he have? He has none. So don't, don't let the devil think for a second that he's won in your life. But we know He didn't stay in the ground. He rose just as He said He would, right? We celebrated it today. We're celebrating it now. Our risen Savior. We're going to read in Luke. I just want to read in Luke chapter 24, His account. And you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of them's a little different. You know, we, they all say they went to the grave and the tomb and He wasn't there. All of them say that. But but And, you know, we, we know in Matthew, you know, where Mary saw Him, she didn't recognize Him. Thought he was a gardener. But, but Luke went a little different, a little different way than that. So we're going to talk through these few verses this morning. Starting at verse 1 of Luke 24. We turn over here. It says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, which we read on down, was Mary, the mother of James and Joanna and, and other women. I'm sure Mary Magdalene was there. And certain other women "...with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood before them in shining garments." We know that was angels that was there guarding the tomb. And he said he is not here he is risen remember how he spoke to you oh excuse me read verse 5 and then they and then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth they said to them why do you seek the living among the dead why do you seek the living among the dead Jesus wasn't there i can imagine that if we was in that time that going to that tomb we know what jesus spoke we know how he said i'm going to rise again in 3 days we walked with him. We talked with him. We slept with him. We, you know, all these things right here, just close knit family. And he said all these things. And we go and he's not there. And then in our in our minds, our physical minds, we're like, how How in the world? Where's he at? You know. And I'm sure they thought. You know, we know they thought Roman soldiers took him, and the Romans thought that the disciples took him, but we know that God took him, didn't we? Know that God took him and raised him up. And he said. He said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why do we as Christians want to revisit our old grave from time to time? Why do we go back to that old place where we once laid and wallowed in our self-pity and our sin and our shame and and just all the disgusting things that we used to do before we gave our lives to Christ? Why do we want to go back to that place at times? Why? Because... Sin is fun, right? If sin wasn't fun, then we wouldn't do it. If sin wasn't appealing in our life, then we wouldn't do it. Satan's not going to throw something ugly up at us and and try to make a tempest with something like that. He's going to throw something fun. Something, you know, try to, you know, just reroute our mind to think we can justify this and do this and everything will be okay. But in essence, we're going back visiting those things that we laid down. That we left in that grave when we when we come up after we said Jesus is Lord of our life and those things are dead and gone. But we keep revisiting them. Why do we go visit the living amongst the dead? We're not there. We're here today. We're alive through Christ, not through ourselves. We're alive through Him. So let's read on right here. And in verse seven, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise again. Just as He said He would. This is what the angels told him. Then they remembered what He said. Amazing, ain't it? They remembered what He said. So they went and they returned from the tomb. All these things. To the eleven at the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to be like idle tales. So those own disciples did not believe what these women had told him. Did not believe him at all. They just thought, there ain't no way. You know, I know what he said, but he's got to be there. I know what he said, but it's not true. He was gone. He was not there. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So we know we know He wasn't there. Where was He at? We don't know. We're fixing to read that in verse, in verse 13, there was on the road to Emos, which was seven miles away from Jerusalem, Jesus appears. Jesus appears and they didn't know who He was. The Bible says that they were made not to recognize Him. But I believe He was in such a glorified, perfect body that nobody could until He revealed Himself to them. He looked totally different than what He did even before He went on the cross. There was no scars. Sure, why did He show them His hands and His feet? Because He wanted them to believe. He wanted them to believe. There was no stripes. I'm sure His back, He was not beat up. He was not limping around. There wasn't some scabs left on Him. No, God only let Him have those in His hands and His feet and His thigh just for our doubting self. Just for just for our human mind to kind of grasp what went on. That's the only reason. If not, Jesus God could have healed him completely and there would have been nothing, no scars whatsoever on him. And so I don't believe and I say this, I don't believe I don't know that when I get to heaven, I'm gonna to have to see Jesus' hands and feet and see the hole in his side before I believe it's him. I don't believe that. Because when we get to heaven we're going to want to see God and Jesus. That's going to be our main thing. And we're going to know it's Him when we see Him. And it's not, going to believe, it's not going to be because He's got holes in His hands and His feet. It's not going to be that. So they're walking this road. And it gives the name of one of them, and, but, but not the other person. I believe it was one of the disciples. So in verse 13, It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all of these things, what had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know Him. Jesus Himself was with them. So many times in my life I can look back. Knowing... Well, I didn't recognize Jesus was with me. I didn't, I didn't know there was, you know, you can blame it on conscience or whatever. Jesus is right here with us. His Spirit is alive and well today. You may not recognize Him in your life, but Jesus is with you today. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Jesus is walking with us today. We need to stop and recognize, just as these did not, that Jesus is with us. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is it that you have of one another, and you walk out and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cloapus answered and said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? And I wish he would have said and recorded, Have you been hiding under a rock? Have you been in a cave? Because then Jesus could have said, Yes, I have. But he didn't. So that's my version of it. You know, we, You know, they said, How do you not know what's going on? It would be like us asking somebody that didn't have TV or radio and all this stuff happening in the world. And they're like, why is everybody so sad? What's going on? It's like, where have you been? All this stuff happening, you don't know nothing about it. Well, no, Jesus knew. But He said, he said are you only stranger in Jerusalem, And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And He said, what things? I love how Jesus has played it off. Played it off. What, what are you talking about? What things are you what what things is it? And he said so Then they went on to tell him how, you know, Jesus, they, they thought he was the Messiah and he was supposed to save the the Jews and, and everybody and, and, and all this stuff and obviously they wasn't who he thought they was because they hadn't seen him. They go to his grave and he's not there. But in verse thirty, they come down and they ask him to come eat with them. He said, it's late. He said, so come eat with us. And so Jesus did. And He says, now it came to pass as He sat at the table with them and He took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. So that's why He said, then their own eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished from their sight. So I believe it was somebody, of the disciple that was there at the Last Supper that knew that this was Jesus that was breaking the bread. Knew that it was the one that they all... All of them denied. All of them took and, and ran the other way. And they knew it was Jesus. So they run back and they told the disciples and, and they all got excited. Then we know Jesus appeared to them. But Jesus rose on that third day just like He said. And and so we can read on and read on different verses, different passages, different things. But I want us to remember today that in Romans 5, verse 8, he tells us, Paul tells us, God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, didn't he? He didn't ask what we'd done wrong, he didn't ask how bad our sin was. He said He died for us while we were sinners. He goes on to say, Paul does in verse 15, he said, but the free gift, the free gift, the free gift of salvation didn't cost us a thing. It didn't cost us physically anything. We saw the picture of what it cost Jesus. It wasn't free to Him. It wasn't free to His life. But he said it's not like the offense. This free gift is not like the offense. that It shouldn't have done this. It shouldn't have caused this. But it did. He said, For if by one man's offense many died, and we know that that's Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. He should say abounded to everyone. Everyone. He didn't leave anybody out. He didn't leave... He died for the worst sinner that's in prison today. He died for them. For the for the one that you know we hear on the news everything, all these bad things that people do to other people and murders and rapes and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, how in the world can God love them? He loved us, didn't he? There's nobody on death row that Jesus didn't die for. Their only problem is they haven't accepted his love yet. They haven't accepted His forgiveness yet. And there's people that we, we live with that's in our family, our friends, that haven't done anything like that and they still will not accept the love of Christ in their life. He said, As the gift is not like which came through one who sinned, for the judgment which came through one, one offense resulted in condemnation, but here it is again, the free gift which came through From many offenses resulted in justification. So that free gift that Jesus gave us justified me and you through the blood of Christ Jesus. Justified us. Made us us fit. And now He does not see us as sin any longer. He does not see our sin. He said He sees us clothed in white. Clothed in white. He sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through, through, through the one, much more who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. There's no other way to heaven but God. No other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. No other way whatsoever. You know, we can look around and, and people in the south especially, you know, pretty much everybody thinks they're saved and going to heaven, no matter what. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I went to church. There's only one way to heaven. People can spin it how they want to. You can live the life you want to and think that you're going to heaven. I got told by a family member just the other day that they were going the way of God. And I said, you cannot go the way of God and still continue to sin willingly in your life and not do anything about it. I, said, I told him I said, the Bible plainly says, Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. I said, that is God and the devil. You serve one or the other. One or the other. You're a slave to one or the other. So we have got to choose ourselves God. And 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 choose ourselves that we are going to allow God to work through our life. And follow him just as Jesus followed him. No questions asked. And do what God's told us to do. Amen. Amen. And and so. This morning I pray that we have painted a good picture of what of what Jesus went through but not what he was left as. I didn't show a picture of his glorified body. You can go look him up. You can picture it in your mind what he looked like. Everything that they wanted to show on the internet was just him, you know, with a white robe on and oh ah, you know, and just you know, the light shining behind him. I don't believe he walked around that way, but he was a glorified body and perfect body that God raised from the dead on that third day, just as He said, and completed the work that He came to do. He completed the work in your life. We don't work for our salvation, but there is work after we get saved. There is things that we've got to do. We can't go on and just fill a seat up or fill a pew up. Now, we've got to go on and do what He's told us to do. Let's be His disciple, be His hands, be His feet. And show others the love that He so graciously showed us. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. I say it every week. I don't want to let a, a, a service go by till we do not give the opportunity for anybody in here in this service, online, whatever you're watching, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, we're going into this time of communion here in a few minutes. This may be, this is hard truth, but you cannot correctly take this communion and not be in right standing with God. When we take this, we're joining into that covenant with Him. We're joining into what, we, what Jesus went through, his body broken, bled for our sins. We're joining in that, but we're raising up a new, a new person, right? We're joining in that saying, Jesus, I believe what you've done for me, but you need to make things right in your life before we do this. It's not just something that we do, just, hey, it's Easter, we're going to have communion today. That's not what it's about. It's about us knowing what we're stepping into and fully believing that and stepping off into that and running full steam ahead just as Jesus did. So this morning, if you have not ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, today is the day.